Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us the heart of that royal law, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, give us this day feet that walk with our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in today's gospel lesson, Jesus and his team, they are headed north. And they've crossed over into the Gentile territory, which is today Lebanon. And after his recent confrontation with religious leaders, it sounds like Jesus is seeking rest and anonymity in the privacy of a home. He wants a place that's just off the grid. But as it always does, the word gets out. So this Syrophoenician woman, she's heard about Jesus' arrival. She comes into the home and falling at his feet, she begs him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But this is no ordinary encounter with the Jesus that we think we know. Did you catch it as Ansley read the gospel? I mean, Jesus sounds surprisingly irritated when he first responds to her, potentially even racist and sexist in his sharp reply. What's that about? For sure, it was shocking how this foreign woman comes right into that home. She didn't knock. She didn't try pleading from the outside. In their day, she was breaking all sorts of social and cultural norms. She was a woman, a Gentile, racially different. She came from an ethnicity that was contrary to the Jews. She broke all the rules. Plus, Jesus always tends to lean towards the poor. And in this Gentile port city, the rural and typically poorer Jews were dependent upon these prospering urban markets of the Gentiles. So not only was her intrusion audacious and offensive, Jesus let her know right up front that he had come to feed the lost sheep of Israel, not these privileged Gentiles or foreigners. And maybe he could have, maybe he should have said it more gently, but instead he used derogatory language against her people saying, let the children of Israel be fed first. For it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs, the Gentiles. But this woman, desperate for the healing of her daughter and believing that Jesus could do it, she pushes back. She accepts that her people are the other in Jesus' view, but now appeals to a larger universal abundance, saying, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And with that, Jesus tells her to go, that the demon has left her daughter. And the woman goes home and she finds that, in fact, her daughter has been healed. So yes, in a couple of ways, we have presented here different ways of interpreting what just happened. Some scholars, they want to protect our sense of divinity and foreknowledge that we believe that Jesus had in his earthly life and say that those harsh words, those stereotypical words that he used, was for the benefit and conversion of his disciples. That somehow he knew that the woman would, with ingenuity and skill, subvert his image of throwing food to the dogs. 
But in my reading of it, Jesus has changed his mind. This is a transformational moment for him. Her faith and vision in God's reign has opened in Jesus this wider possibility of God's purpose for him. Like any other human, Jesus' view of race and place is influenced by the culture and social orientation of his parents, prayer, community, scripture, and experience. We all hold bias, and Jesus has just glimpsed his own. I guess this, you know, like every human being, Jesus has, is willing to learn and to evolve. And in an instant, he gains a deeper and truer understanding of what he's about. And I guess this imper- in interpretation of the story might rock some of our conventional understanding of Jesus. But for me, I am just so encouraged None of us are given the whole package at birth on what to believe and on what we are to do with our life. It comes by walking. And wonderfully, in the humility of this nameless woman, in her unflappable appeal to a more universal restoration, Jesus demonstrates his own humility by opening and offering the steering wheel of his life back to God. So in today's second healing story, as Jesus travels this Gentile region, people find him again, and they they beg him to heal this deaf man. And perhaps now, with this new understanding of his expanded vision, Jesus includes the Gentiles as part of his saving mission. Know this, the evangelist Mark very purposefully tells the Jesus story. Here he connects the two healings. Jesus' next recorded words after healing the Syrophoenician daughter is given in Jesus' actual Aramaic language. And so that we don't miss what happened, Mark records Jesus saying, Epitatha, be opened, as he put his fingers in the deaf Gentile's ear and spit on his tongue. This simple phrase, to be open, is perhaps the powerful healing word that Jesus heard for himself from God. This, through this the perspective of the Syrophoenician woman, God has opened in him this new sense of self and what he's supposed to be about. Just like God does in our own lives, it's often the most unlikely people and most unlikely kind of encounters that change us. How ironic that the least of these, the worst of these, converted our Lord. You know, just this week, As I mentioned to Ansley that I was thinking about the impact of the Syrophoenician woman on Jesus, she really surprised me when she says, you know, that's exactly the person that I would choose as my prayer icon. Because you see, Connie Wendleton, um, she always writes this prayer icon for any of the new clergy that come to St. Christopher's. And I'm thinking, gosh, this is such a fabulous choice to pray with. You know, these days with all the new awareness of our racial bias, I hope we find comfort in the fact that even Jesus has to come to grip with this issue. And when faced with the uncomfortable truth that he's willing to to open his view and see with the Father's eyes, to see that 
no one is really other, that all of creation is God's beloved in this kingdom, in this kingdom of God. In these past few years, we too have wrestled with our own version of questioning whether we should be throwing our bread to the dogs. We have seen desperate women and children and fathers at our southern borders. Their intrusion is audacious and offensive. They have stretched our sense of scarcity over abundance. They don't knock. They want to come right into our house seeking safety and a new life in America. Even this week, we wrestle with the last of our military and diplomatic presence escaping Afghanistan. We grieved over the fact that we couldn't rescue all those desperate Afghanis still unvetted, but who had probably helped America along the way. We recognize that some of them will be hunted down and tortured by terrorists, and that the Taliban will surely suppress the progress that's been made for women and girls. And yet, over 117,000 Afghanis were airlifted out, and some of those people are coming to America. And as those foreigners draw near and try to become our neighbors, can we be epitatha? Can we be opened, healed, converted to see these people as kin versus others? Many of them will bring gifts and talents. And so I do pray that we tap into the better angels of ourselves that we too might be bold enough to set this icon of a Syrophoenician woman at our, at our kneeling places. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would open us to God's ever-expansive mercy. Amen.